we are creating a platform for those who are curious, one that tells the story from the artist's perspective. Moments in time captured from the innovators who are reshaping dance, music, theater, and the visual arts. This is the Working Artist Project. My name is Gregory Ajid, and I'm joined with uh, the wonderful Mr. Darian Douglas. What's up, y'all? What's up, Greg? India, what's happening? Good evening. Hello. And, and tonight, our special guest, we're joined with Miss India Owens from up in New York City. Absolutely. And for you guys who don't know, India is originally from Detroit. Is that how you say it? Detroit? Detroit. <laughs> I'm from Mississippi. Y'all gotta, y'all gotta forgive me. You know, I don't really, I don't really speak English that good. Anyway, she graduated from the illustrious, the illustrious school. Juilliard. Ooh. I know. Is it fancy, man? It's like <laughs> real I fancy. Believe, I believe when you say it, you're supposed to like put your finger up. Juilliard. And she's currently working on the late show with Stephen Colbert, uh, with John Baptiste and Stay Human. And she she's doing a lot of great things, and we're gonna get into them uh, a little bit later today. But before we do. I want to give India a chance to tell you guys a little bit about herself and uh, why she is a virtuoso. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so, hey, everybody. I am India Owens. I'm a bassist, composer, educator, auntie. I love life. I love music and everything about it. Um, I have an organization called The Community Cookout. We give out 100 free meals to the New York communities, plus a free pop-up concert. It was a brainchild that I developed over COVID because, you know, I've, I've been blessed to continue working. And I just felt that it was my duty to reach out to people and to have people working to feed people. Um, yeah, like I, I've played bass for a long time. I played violin for a long time. Um, I've done tours. I do the Late Show. I've Basically, done some you, you, recordings. You, you've done it all. You've Sounds like you, all. you got a lot going Not on. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> recordings. Have you done Broadway? I'm sure you have. Uh, off Broadway. Off Broadway. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can count that. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so India, you, you grew up in Detroit. Can you can you tell us a little bit about like your musical upbringing and your background and and how maybe how you how you made it to the big city up in New York? Oh wow, yeah. Um, so my first introduction to music was actually when my mother bought me a Yamaha keyboard. I was eight years old, and she noticed that I could play by ear. I could play every jingle that I heard, everything. And I, I was actually really good. Right now I'm kind of trash. <laughs> but at the time, um, I was really good at the piano. I could play lots of classical pieces. I played for my school's graduations. I was really good. Um, but then my school had their own free music program and um, they were giving away free instruments too for us to actually start studying in in the school so i started on violin and i played that for about several seven years until high school uh well i, I played both in high school classically my instructor in high school actually made me switch to the double bass 
because he heard me playing Mozart Symphony 25 by ear. I was just playing it for fun after school. And he said, you know what? We need a bass player. You get an F or play the bass. So, <laughs> that so sounds I, like I, a great teacher. <laughs> I need to yep. implement that in my classroom. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I didn't want to do it, but he, he said, you're going to thank me later. And, and yeah, so that's, that's what happened then. But I still taught myself the bass because we didn't have a bass teacher. Mm -hmm. um, during a college tour to my school, Detroit School of Arts, um, I met Rodney Whitaker randomly at the, at the college, I mean, at the high school. And that was my first time hearing a live bassist, like really hearing a live band. Um, it was my first introduction to jazz. Um, and yeah, I, I owe him a lot because he was one of the reasons why I was able to afford to go to college, to go to Michigan State first for my undergrad. Um, and he, he was my first bass teacher. So, so that's what happened. And, and if we're going about the college story, um, I applied to Juilliard twice. The first time I made it to the final round, didn't get in. Um, the second time I made it, but, but both times, uh, well, the second time, no, the first time, okay. <laughs> the first time, um, actually this happened for Michigan State and Juilliard. I actually took the Greyhound wow. up to my auditions. Wow. Um, yeah, and for Michigan State, it, it was really special because my mom was like, okay, you got it. I was like, I think so. <laughs> So I, I took the Greyhound up to East Lansing and um, and yeah, I, I actually almost missed that audition because I was like, okay, where am I? But, but Rodney was so helpful. He, he's like a key part in, in this whole journey. Yeah, that's what's up. Actually, you know, I was on YouTube earlier today watching some videos of you and you shared, it was like a Times Square, um, channel or something like that and they were talking you, you were talking about your your how you made it to the audition and, and i heard this story that like some a gentleman like gave you 40 dollars to take the cab <laughs> did you tell that story i thought yes. that was such a cool story <laughs> oh my gosh oh my gosh okay so i i was the true broke college student so <laughs> um when i graduated from michigan state um i really i really wanted to to hear different sounds, just be engulfed in music, like a different type of music than, than I was used to because in Detroit, we're all about mentoring and I, I was exposed to music, but in New York, you, you can hear every type of genre. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna get to New York. Then I was like, okay, transportation <laughs> okay um so so i actually yeah i went i went to the greyhound i got my ticket to go from uh michigan to new york put my base under the luggage carrier oh, and man. and when i when i got the base out my actual bridge was not on the base it was like twisted 
that was the day of my audition. I said, oh my God. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm fixing my base. Okay, now, now I'm running close to time. And I was at Port Authority. I came, I came running out. And then I just see a sea of cars and a sea of people. Wow. And I look at the clock and I have 30 minutes to get to this audition. And this man, um, bless his heart, he saw me and he said, are you okay? I said, no, <laughs> I'm not, I am not okay. And um, he, I, I told him what was happening. I was like, I got I to get to my audition. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm like having a moment. And yeah, he gave me $40. He said, go and be great. Do the audition. You're going to be great. And yeah, that's, that's actually how I made, made it to the audition because, wow. because of a, a blessed, a blessed angel. <laughs> did you, did you play your bass or did you have to borrow someone else's? I played my bass because I had to, I had to fix my bridge. And, and the thing, I think the thing about people with their instruments, some people aren't too nice to be like, okay, you can play mine because it's a competition, you know? So, you know, I, I wanted to see if I could fix it. Yeah. Ain't nobody finna let you play their bass. <laughs> like, uh-uh, you can't play it, my bass. It's happened. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that's that's actually a great segue into the next into the next segment because I want to talk about community and, and how dedicated you are to the community. And and this guy was very in your community, he was dedicated to you, you know, nail it at audition. So like when we see you doing things like your uh the, the program and you're feeding hundreds a hundred people, a hundred different families, and you're coming up on three hundred families you're about to feed. Um, am I correct? Mm-hmm. Like what inspired you exactly to do something like that? And, and also like what past experiences did you have to, to motivate you to, to do that? Oh, uh, well, I, I always just believe that you have to love people. You have to love every person. You know, everyone deserves love. Everyone deserves to be seen and heard. Um, my, my own personal experience, uh, me, and my mother, we were homeless. So we, we relied on these programs a lot, mm. like church pantries, anybody giving out food, anybody at a garage sale giving out clothes. That's, that's what we relied on. And I just, I just know that some people suffer in silence. So I just wanted to make an event that was so free, so open, we don't take tips. I just wanted, I just wanted people to have one hour, one day where they felt normal, where they can focus. When you're when you're fed, when you have dinner, or you have lunch, you know your mind can focus on what you have to do. Absolutely. So, um, actually, Muenzo and the Shakes, Russell, Russell Hall and Michaela. Hey, uh, <laughs> we. Um, well, they they did this beautiful Juneteenth celebration, mm-hmm. and I felt so liberated that day. So July Fourth came, and I was like, I don't want to celebrate the patriarchy, you know. So I, I said, you know, I want to do something. I want to do something that's really for the community. So uh, me and a friend, we just got like a hundred dollars. Well, I got. <laughs> <laughs> I got meals. Um, I 
I got this um, local caterer to just provide a hundred meals and we just passed it out on the roof of her car. Wow. That was the first time. Then of course the second time it was more organized. Yeah. <laughs> that was August 28th and now we have a whole system mm -hmm. that's happening on Saturday. So it, it just came about through feelings of liberation and just, you know, giving back because right. Because people don't really realize that everything that you have right now uh, can be gone. Absolutely. Well, you know, shit, maybe you, they you never, more now because of COVID, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So you, you have to be thankful for everything and you have to help people. Mm -hmm. Like, if you have it, like, that's, that's what I believe in. Now, just for people, if someone's watching this, they want to come to your next event, which is on September 28th, uh, right? Mm -hmm. okay. No, it's 26th. Sorry, September 26th. 26th. Um, how does it this work? Is, is there, is this, this, that, wow, that's true. Today's the 21st, so is this coming Saturday? And if they come, do they have to sign up? Do they walk up? How does it work for them to get the free meal exactly? You just walk up. We have masks. We have hand sanitizer. We have gloves. We have music. Just okay. come up. It's free. And where 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 are you gonna be on the twenty sixth exactly? Like uh it's the Savoy playground in Harlem. Okay, cool. What's the cross streets just for some people? Uh Linux you know? is between one fortieth and one forty first. There you go. So free food for everybody. And um it, it's you're just gonna give it out until it runs out, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So yeah, so I hope a lot of people uh take advantage of that. Go ahead, Greg. That's that's so beautiful, and and I really I really um I really appreciate hearing that because you know you, you mentioned a hundred dollars and and I know a lot of us will say like a hundred dollars is not a lot of money, but 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 again like in the spirit of giving and, and what you were saying about helping people and things like that like it's amazing how much maybe that hundred dollars can go to to serve a community to help people to really benefit someone Absolutely. and. And it's, I think it really goes with, I think the way Darian and I both think, and, and I, I love hearing you that kind of we're on the same page, but like we all have something to offer and we all, we always can contribute in helping other people's lives. And, and I, I really, man, it's such, that's such a beautiful thing that you're doing. Absolutely. Yo, so yeah. I just thought of something I want to do just to, uh, is there a way people can give you money for this? Like if they yes. want to give you, if they listen in, how do they do that? Yes, and I actually want to say I, I slipped up. It's not a hundred dollars. It's it's a lot more. Totally, <laughs> uh, no, totally, yeah, totally. No, and I mean you started when you started with a hundred bucks. Yeah. Oh, a hundred people. Okay, okay. Yes. Gotcha. Oh my! Please donate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, uh, anyone who who wants to donate, they can um, Venmo me personally at India Dash Owens. That's E N D E A dash O-W-E-N-S, uh, Cash App is the dollar sign India Owens, or PayPal, india.owens at gmail.com. Because all the payments and all of the payments to the caterers and musicians come directly out of my pocket. Right, okay. Yeah, we, we understand that, you know? And uh, make sure you guys <laughs> donate. Look, we're a nonprofit, so we know $1 goes a long way when you're trying totally. to do something for the people. Yeah. So what about this, this gig you got the late show? What happened with that? Did you, how did you get it? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that, that's a funny story. Uh, yeah. So I, it, it all started with Winton. 
Um, I feel like so many things start with Winton. Yeah. Winton <laughs> but, Morales. Um, Winton Morales, right? That's his Winton Morales. <laughs> Great Morales uh, family. <laughs> Winton. <laughs> yeah, but um, I was doing uh, a live stream with him at Rose Hall. And it was uh, little did I know that John Batiste, he was watching it. And he saw me playing. We didn't really um, know each other that well, just through passing. Hey, hey, bye, bye. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I get a call from an unknown number. So I, I'm I'm actually on my way to the airport. I'm I'm like okay, you know, I'm trying to get here. I get an unknown call. Like, who is this? Like, yeah. you know. I'm, I'm all, I'm, I'm hyped. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he was like, this is John Batiste. And I was like, oh, okay, calling me, I know. But, <laughs> you know, it was, it was cool because we, we talked about life and music, um, spirituality. It wasn't about any gigs or anything. So I, I actually really appreciated that. And I was like, okay, that was a nice call. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't really think too much of it. And then um, maybe like a month or two later, uh, he contacted me and asked me if I wanted to do three days on the Late Show, and I said, "Of course." So, <laughs> so I um I actually memorized all the music, and I I don't know it was a different type of energy that I brought that day, and um it just it just felt so natural when I when I got there. I I was just happy to be there happy to play with different people. Everybody was cool. I felt seen, I felt heard. Um, And then eventually two months, three days turned into two months, two months turned into a year and now I'm on the show. So um, yeah, I owe a lot to to John, like talk about community, like Mm -hmm. he does nothing but help people. So I, Thank you, John. So, <laughs> yeah, so so that's how that happened. Oh, that's great, man. It just made me think of this thing that uh, Chris McBride, that's your homeboy, right? He always said, it ain't about yeah. the call. It's about the call back. So, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. You got the sauce on that, man. I feel like that's how a lot of gigs end up working out. You get a call for one gig. And the question is, do you get the call back next week? <laughs> or are you just, are you just exactly. a one done type cat? That's right. One hit wonder, yeah. baby. One hit wonder. Yeah. Um, so we all noticed that during the during the height of the uh, civil unrest that continues in America and has continued uh, for four hundred years now, that you were out there, you were one of the first people out there, busting <laughs> heads, screaming, yelling. You you even took your bait. You was out there playing. You was doing all sweating. I saw you. <laughs> you were out there. And and what what made you, what gave you that that energy to go out there and protest the way that you did, even though you could have died from COVID, because people may have forgotten this was at the height of COVID. You know, mm-hmm. in New York City, we had body bags stacked up in Central Park, but you was out there marching for the people. Why? Yeah. Because it just, I mean, tomorrow's not promised, and. And I felt the emotions that I felt seeing all those countless black lives, like souls just 
done from this earth. Like it, it was, it was an emotion that was just too much. And, and as soon as one of my friends called me like, Hey, India, you know, we're out here. Do you, do you want to be out there? I was like, yes. I put my clothes on immediately. I got out there because, because this can be, see, I have three nephews Mm -hmm. that can be any one of them. Like there, there was a baby that like 12 year old that got shot down in Walmart. Like I, I'm doing it for them. I'm doing it for my mother that worked to the bone that is still working to this day. I did it for my sisters. I did it for myself. I did it for everyone that I know that is black. Like this could be any of us. So it, it just like, I, that was my reason. And I, I didn't really think about <laughs> what it would mean to me if, if I lost my life. I, I guess I was just putting on the armor of God with that, with a mask. <laughs> but but yeah, that, that was really my mindset, you know, and, and I was just like, okay, we, we have to fight for this. We have to fight for something. It Like everything in my spirit said, okay, this is, this is the time. Something is going to shift. And as you can see, like there was a shift and a change worldwide. So, so those, those are the reasons that that's clear enough. Absolutely. That's that, the passion you had. Yeah. Just explaining that I did that for my nephew. I did, you know, because, <laughs> and I get that. I got a nephew, I got a niece, and I got a, a, a new baby, you know. And so I don't want those things to happen to them. And I don't want it to happen to me or anybody else in my family, you know, or anybody. You don't, I don't, you know, that shouldn't be happening exactly. to anybody, period. Mm-hmm. And so I, I get that. And, and you, you, it, it, for me, I was like, damn, man, this is crazy. People like, like India's out there, but like COVID, yo. And it's like, mm-hmm. or like, it's not like we were in Kansas, <laughs> you know, yeah. where it's like, that's five cases of COVID. No, we had, we were like the number one place in the world and you were out there risking your life for your fellow man, which is huge. Yeah. Can, can I ask you, like, it seems like you have like a, I mean, you have like a, a definite fire that's like burning inside of you that, that you seem to be extremely proactive and, and very in touch with uh, making a first move in so many aspects of your life. Like where, where does that come from? Is that, is that something that like you think you were born with or is that like a trait that like you kind of developed out of necessity? Uh, yeah, it, it came out of necessity, uh, just making it happen, happen. And, you know, Detroit, like, <laughs> you know, growing up there, we, we, we're just go-getters. Like, we're, we're people that constantly creates. If you look through the history of Detroit, we're creators, we're innovators. Like, like everyone, every person that I know in Detroit that, that has moved or, like, really has been exposed to resources, have, have grasped them so mm-hmm. tight. So like, I, I think we understand um, full circle that, okay, you don't get a lot of chances to do things. So you have to take it, like you have to do it now. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's where I, I, um, I blame Detroit on that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great question, Greg, and a, a beautiful answer too. Yeah, it's a really uh, great answer. The, you wrote a song, and we're going to play it, and, and I hope everybody's paying attention to this. And uh, right now, if you're just tuning in, this is India Owens. I'm Darian Douglas, and that's Greg Ajit, and this is The Working Artist Project. But we're now going to play one of your songs, and I believe it's called For the Brothers. Yes. Yeah. 
Yo, that was crazy. That was crazy. <laughs> like the whole time, I, I know at home everybody was dancing because I'm here dancing. You know what I mean? That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Who, can you tell us about who's on the track and maybe what inspired you to write that? Yes. Uh, so it's Jonathan Barber on drums, <laughs> Jonathan Thomas on piano, uh, Jeffrey Miller on trombone, Chris Jeffrey McBride. Miller. Sorry. <laughs> Chris McBride on saxophone. Uh, and Josh Evans on trumpet. That's what's up. All cool. super bad dudes, man. I was wondering who was on that joint. You know what I was thinking <laughs> while I was playing is uh, we don't we don't want to forget about the ladies, you know, because it's just because the song title is for the brother. You, I'm sure you mean everybody, you know. I yeah, was, of course. Yeah, because we all out here together. Yes, for the people. Yeah, for the people. There you go, people. for the people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, you got you got some of those. Yeah, Jeffrey Miller's from New Orleans, and uh, you know Greg is from New Orleans too. Well, okay. <laughs> from Hawaii by way of New Orleans. Yeah, by way of New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> so we all we all you know we're all family from down there. In the context of this conversation, I can't call Jeffrey Juilliard anymore because I might get confusing. <laughs> got too much <laughs> Juilliard up in here. <laughs> actually, he was actually watching earlier. He was commenting on the video. He said, "What's up?" Oh, <laughs> that's what's up. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's up, man. So tell us more about your band and, and where somebody might, if they want to get that record, if they want to check y'all out, you know, post-COVID. Yeah. Yeah, so so my record, I, I actually decided to hold on releasing it because now I'm feeling so many ways right now. So I'm actually going to do some additions to it. So it'll be available in separate singles starting October 20th. Okay. That's what's up. What's the name of it? Other people. Other I'm people. sorry. Oh my God. No. Feel good. Feel, feel good. good. Okay. <laughs> we got to feel good for the people. That's right. Feel good for the people. I love it. That's what's up. So y'all go check that record out. India Owens. Feel good for the people. Kind of. <laughs> can I can I ask you though, since like since you are putting a record out during this um, this pandemic time, how how have your plans changed on uh, releasing the record, and what kind of hurdles and um, what, what kind of challenges does does this present to you? Um, well, actually, I I think I felt uh, well when COVID first started happening. Um, the first hurdle was getting out of bed <laughs> and actually, you know, being, being around people, like feeling, feeling that joy instead of rage and anger and sadness. Like that, that was the first major hurdle. And with everything involving racism that went on, the racism of 2020, just as the cherry on top of everything else that's been going on for centuries. It, it was just a lot to process, but, um, you know, I, I always feel like nothing is impossible. If, if anything, I'm more inspired just being able to sit with those emotions and to feel it 100%, the, the raw emotional feeling of everything that, that inspired me to go forward and, and do it as singles. And, and it's actually, uh, speaking logistically, it's easier that way. Mm -hmm. And that's a, a great way for me to process what I really want to say. Absolutely. So you're doing every song on the, on the record as a single? Uh, 
yeah that's wow. that's how it's gonna be you, a single gonna... and video oh video oh, okay awesome. cool do you, are, yeah. are you working through a label or is this going to be self-released independent independent mm -hmm. awesome. did, you, did you do a lot of the writing during this time or are these some tunes that maybe you had like written before um well that that song in particular i i wrote that um around the death of trayvon martin when that first happened so that that was a old song that i had only wrote part of the melody to and then i dug it back up around 2017 and uh every other song that is it's been written at different times like how i feel about police brutality being a black woman how i feel about expressing love feeling love you know it is different moments in my life Wow, that's that's deep. You wanna you wanna go a little bit more into any of those topics? <laughs> Let the people know, give them a little little teaser. Okay, sure. Yeah. So I I have this untitled song, uh, and it was it was actually about a former relationship that I did have. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times uh it, it just made me think about how I feel as a black woman in so many spaces that song and sometimes i don't feel seen and heard um but at the end of the song this is actually chris's favorite song okay he, he knows it <laughs> but at the end of the song it, it has a turnaround at the coda where like you kind of have to like it sounds like you're fighting the love inside yourself because mm -hmm. you have to have self-love before you know you're like finding love so that was one of Absolutely. the one of the moments you know what that is some profound Shh. i'm trying not to curse this episode but <laughs> <laughs> um not yeah, in that's, front of the crib. that's right you're not in front of a kid <laughs> you, that's, a baby that's, now. you can't do that I, I can't do that anymore <laughs> but it, it's very profound because I think in life, we all go through like these changes, these ups and downs, these trials and tribulations, like they say in the church. And I think it always, always comes back to do I love myself, you know? And, mm -hmm. and during, during COVID, someone said something to me and they were like, you know, it's interesting because a lot of people are finding out that they don't like themselves hmm. because you finally like, you can't do nothing but be with yourself right now. You got to sit with mm -hmm. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so just understanding like, Hey, you know what, before I, anyone can, else can love me, I got to love myself in a certain type of way. That's, that's some deep shit. You know, it really is, man. Like and you to, are, to add to what, what you were saying though, about you have to love yourself before you can, you can create love and, and, and have enough love to share with other people. But again, it's like that idea that if you're empty or if you're, you're missing 10% of the love you need, you gotta, you know, you need to, you need to fill that that ten percent void before you have enough to give to someone else. And you know, I, I I've definitely been, you know, trying to find the blessing in this COVID situation. But I really, you know, I'm sure the, the two of you can also identify with this too, like having the space and the time to to really sit with ourselves. And because you know, all of us as musicians are always running gig to gig, session to session, trying to shed these tunes that we don't have enough time to learn <laughs> and, and things like that. So I really, yeah. you know, I appreciate, you know, one of the blessings of this situation for me has been having the time and space to, 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 to figure out how I feel about myself. And it sounds like you guys yeah. were also on that journey yourselves. 
Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. That, that that was some good points, girl. I want to. It brings me around, like India. What do you think is gonna happen after COVID is over? You know, like what happens for us musicians, and how do we navigate and prepare for that? Honestly, I <laughs> I almost feel like it's gonna be remotely the same. Hmm. Remotely, what because you, oh, you mean like remote remote recording and stuff like that? You mean? Yeah, but but I hear a lot of musicians talking about the wages given from these venues and everything. But then again, I see um, live streams that are free. And I, I understand you have to do what you have to do for donations, but it just seems like the same thing that's been happening at these venues, but worse. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm actually really concerned about what's going to happen. And then it was a, a law passed uh, on Facebook will a rule pass that can't even do live stream performances starting October 1st. So it's not, it's not looking so good. And I know, I think about the older people that might not be that savvy when it comes to technology, like, like you have to, you have to know how to record, you have to know how to do things quickly and you know, some, some people, some people, they like this equipment costs a lot. Yeah. Like everything takes a lot of time. Like, and you, you have to, you have to have the resources for it. Um, so I, I'm seeing people playing outside myself as well, but winter Hmm. is also right around the corner. So, so what happens then? Does everyone, turn into a studio musician that's kind of impossible so so there needs to be there needs to be a new way of thinking about this thinking about our worth as musicians i i'm not sure if that involves contacting our union like really demanding this Mm -hmm. you know it's i think there's things that we we actually actively have to do for things to really change, yeah. like a- actively protest for things to change, because right now we're just getting the bitter end of the stick. Dude, this, is, this has been such a challenge for musicians, and I, I've been saying this to a lot of cats. Like, it just you know, not not to get into the politics of things, but but again, like it's just such a shame that the government can legally close you know it seems like the only industry that really hasn't opened back up is anything to do with entertainments arts you know people who are you know doing the lighting and and all that kind of stuff the whole industry is gone and and also we're not like we we have to find alternative work and it's it just it just like i feel like if if the government says you can't open up the club we should be compensated we should have some type of like bread or we should be taken care of instead of like you know the club can't open now go work at walmart mm-hmm. you know because right. it's not like people don't want to see music anymore <laughs> absolutely yeah and that and that involves and that involves a lot of the union yeah a lot of a lot of these organizations i know some some have helped but we we need somewhere that we can go to for aid and what we have right now is kind of shaky or dang near non-existent right so so that i think that will solve some issues 
Yeah, it's a, it's a rough one, man. It's because so many people weren't prepared for this, you know, and, yeah. and, and the government, like Greg said, you said there's no support. And, and I think we do have to change. We have to change and say, okay, maybe clubs don't come back for a year or two years. Or if you're playing like Greg was playing arenas. So, you know, that's not coming back anytime soon, you know? Uh, so you got to just think about, okay, if I do live stream, maybe I got to charge for these live streams. Maybe I do one live stream for free, but then after that, the subsequent ones have to be, you know, fee-based, even if it's 10 bucks, mm -hmm. it's the internet. Everyone has it. So it's kind of like the audience is limitless. Mm -hmm. You got to think about it like that. Personally, that's what I think, you know? I think yeah. it's like also like, yeah, again, with like the idea of organizing and, and it's, it's, I think one of the biggest hurdles that we have as musicians too, is that, you know, just because some of us organize and then you got, you know, one band that's not part of the organization and out there playing for free or whatever. And it's like, we're always dealing with cats undercutting or, you know, it's again, hustling to get work. And I think that's, that's just going to be a struggle that we're constantly going to have to deal with. And, and yeah, we have to just accept it's going to be part of the hustle and, and find a way to incorporate that and still have a strong union, still have, you know, rights for musicians and, and worker, working class people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. India, you know, we're coming up to the end of this interview. Wow. So. <laughs> <laughs> we had so many topics. I know. We had so many. We, we, hit, a, we hit a lot of stuff. And, um, you know, listen, listen, thanks for coming on. I, I do want to get one more, maybe two more questions in here. And this is a more serious question here. And, and I saw this on, on Instagram, actually. I didn't even know this was happening. And I saw... Uh, a mutual friend of ours post something hashtag respect us or the respect us campaign and it's a movement that's happening within your your respective industry where the television musicians it seems like they're not i don't know i don't work in television but it seems like they're not getting paid the same scale as actors or some other some other people and you guys are trying to lobby uh the powers that be to to get respect mm -hmm. can do you want to touch on that at all yeah, so um, the Respect Us campaign has been in the works for months. Um, and it, it's just like during, during everything that's been going on, we see the basketball, NBA, WNBA strikes. Like we're striking for a reason. You know, we see the protests. Um, the musicians got together, specifically um, TV musicians, those that work on late night TV shows, The Voice any any of the shows that you see we we just are asking for parity mm. you know we're asking for equal pay because if you look at the writers guild or sag after they get paid a lot more than we do but we're the most diverse right. union mm. we're the most diverse group of people and we get paid dramatically less so that's that's what we are asking for, like in in the respect us campaign. You know, we we think we think that this is not for just out the blue. You know, I mean, it's it's been documented since the beginning that black people, people of color, we get paid less at every point. And if you're a woman, then you're really getting paid less. So that's what the campaign is about because we do deserve to get paid for what we have spent our lives building crafting 
So that's what it's about. That's what's up. And if y'all watching this and you watch one of those TV shows, The Voice, I know y'all watch The Voice. I'd be in here watching it too. <laughs> and the band, the band is killing. Write a letter, you know, write an email and say, yo, y'all should be paying those guys. Y'all should be paying those men and women the proper amount of money so that they can do their job and feed their families, you know? Can you, can you, can you speak on um, maybe how some, like being a musician on those shows differs from being a writer or an actor in terms of payment and maybe also how we can support, no, I, you don't have to get into it. I'm sorry, I don't mean to put you on the spot. But, but, yeah, but that maybe, might be a little too deep. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but would you mind talking about also maybe how we could support and like, uh, you know, show our support for the musicians yeah, so so since we already started the social media campaign, the simplest way to to show support is sharing the images, sharing the images of respect us, sharing the image. It's it's on the uh, local AFM page too. What it's about, the full description. You can write a letter to these networks: CBS, NBC, ABC. You can write to the union, SAG-AFTRA the writer's skill, those are ways. Okay, that's what's up. And, and I hope y'all do that because, uh, listen, it takes a lot of bravery. I don't know if people realize this, yeah. but first of all, if you are on TV, right, as a bass player, there's probably only five of those gigs. And then there's three billion bass players behind you waiting, <laughs> right, with they chops. They, so they're like, oh, y'all going to protest? Cool, protest. Because they're going to be right there trying to get the gig. And they be like, pay me less, bro. I just want to yeah. be on TV and this and that. So just to have that courage to be like, you know what? I'm willing to lose this gig to, to make sure that we get to the next step. That's huge. Mm -hmm. You're an activist. That's going to help everybody, too. <laughs> you know, not only the cats on the band. It's going to help the, the other dude trying to undercut you, too. Because, you know, yeah. a lot of that... The, the rights that you're fighting for are going to translate into other arenas of uh, the music industry. Exactly. exactly. Can, can I just ask, sorry, a really quick question, but like, um, as a musician working on those shows, you're specifically, the union is like the, the musician's union. You're not part of SAG or the Writers Guild or anything like that, right? No, it's uh, just the musician's union. Uh, we have a choice to be in SAG after me, myself personally, I'm with Local 802. You so much for coming on the Thank working artist project that was dope and we learned a lot about you today we learned you're you're an activist you know so you out here man you out here mm -hmm. um yep. before we go though let's plug your let's plug your uh campaign one more time the 100 free meals project is called the community cookout and it's happening this saturday uh september 26 2020 at 2 p.m 2 p.m. and I don't have the address. What's the address again? Uh, one between 140th and 141st. One, hold on, between 141st and 140th in Lenox Avenue at the Savoy Playground. There you go, and and I'm sure you'll hear the music and you'll see the people, and it's she's gonna give out at least a hundred free meals, and um, you can donate to her cause by hitting her up on her on different PayPals and stuff like that. And if you really want to know, just shoot her a DM and she'll, she'll tell you exactly where to send the money. And the money goes right to the people's mouth. So there you go. Yo, Yo. this is the Working Artist Project. I'm Darian Douglas. And my name is Gregory Ajit. And Dia, thank you very much for, for sharing your time with us. And thank you so much for the beautiful music and the, I mean, just having that fire and, and sharing it with everyone in so many ways. We really appreciate that. And I have so much admiration for you in doing that. Thank you.
Thank you both. Oh, you're welcome. All right, y'all. You guys have a wonderful night. We're logging out. Y'all have a great night. All right. Later. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Lowe's has a brand new flooring showroom filled with all types of floors. Scratch-resistant floors for toddlers and their toys. Easy-to-clean carpets for canines. Stain-resistant floors for scrumptious suppers. Even floors for yogis finding out how flexible they are. There's floors for all. And they're all at Lowe's. Book now and have yours installed by the holidays. Install available in-store only. Holiday install applies to basic install and subject-to-date restrictions, installer, and product availability. See Lowe's.com for details and licensing. Contiguous U.S. only.